OT Uncorked. I'm your host, Miranda Rennie. On OT Uncorked, we uncork hot topics in occupational therapy and a bottle of wine. This episode is the second in a mini-series we're calling Passion Meets Paycheck, and it's all about helping you feel prepared to find the right OT job. I interview therapists who have recently started jobs about their process from graduation day to their first day at work. We cover a range of settings and experience, and in this episode, we cover travel OT and OT blogging in our interview with Devlin New, the Rainbow OT. Dev and I met in 2018 when we attended a research summit, and since then, I have been inspired by his passion for providing great care and furthering our profession. I hope you feel excited to be an OT as you listen to our chat and maybe take away a few helpful tips about the process of becoming a traveling OT. Okay, so my name is Devlin New. My pronouns are he, him, and his. I am currently a traveling occupational therapist working in New York. And I am officially at my one-year anniversary of being an occupational therapist. It's an exciting time. Congratulations. That is really exciting. I am not quite there yet. You're not? I thought you were right behind me. I guess I am. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my... I I am. Wow. Amen. Oh, my God. It's like we should drink a glass of wine to celebrate or something. Oh, my gosh. Well, what glass of wine are you going to (laughs) drink? I am drinking one or more glasses of High Note Elevated Malbec. It's a 2016 Malbec from the Uco Valley in Mendoza, Argentina. And it's delicious. You can, I, I already know, I think this just showed me that I'm a wine, wino because I have had that before and I already knew where it was from when you first said High Notes. And it's I feel so really good. good about that. Yeah, it was really it's, good. Yeah, and it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was it was nicely priced. It has a nice little bottle, bright colors. Love that. I figured, why not? It's been raining in New York, um, where I live, I think, for almost two weeks straight. And um, Malbec's my favorite wine. So, wins Perfect. all across the board. Absolutely. And I am drinking a wine from a winery I just went to recently in Mount Pleasant, Pennsylvania, and it's called Ooh. Green Dance Winery, and I am having a Riesling, and I'm typically a red girl, but I really like this one, and it kind of has like apricot taste to it, but it's not super sweet or anything, but it's got like that Ooh. nice fruity, like fruity notes to it, so I'm into it. See, I love like dry, bitter wine. Yeah. I don't know what that says about <laughs> me. Y'all can decide at home. <laughs> But, um, I don't know. I try to dabble in the white wines, mm-hmm. but it's it's not for me unless it's dry. Like if it is dry, bitter white, you can sign me up on a hot summer day. But other than that, I'm gonna stick to my dry reds, yeah, I don't blame you. This place, I feel like I just love this winery so much that everything I tasted there just tasted a little bit better. You know what I mean? Oh, that's the best. I was there on a day when it was perfect weather there was a musician playing outside they have just this cute little patio area and they serve pie so i was in my happy place oh wow sign me up i'm gonna have to 
Because that's not, I don't think that's too far from me in New York. I should be able to make a little trek out there for some pie and wine. I'll have to so get the deets from you. Worth it. It'll be on the blog. So <laughs> check Ooh, it out there. I can get a full review. Yes. Oh, gosh. It's, it was so good. So, Deb, before we dive into kind of your experience with applying for jobs and ultimately getting the job that you have, um, what even brought you to the OT profession? Oh, I love and hate this question. Um, <laughs> more so love, but I think the parts that I always I always answer with are in high school, I always had an interest. I, I first and foremost wanted to be a special ed teacher, but I also know that teachers are not appreciated enough across the United States and they're not paid for the service they do. Amen. And I really wanted to... Yeah, I really wanted to be more financially stable um, and be able to, you know, travel more and have more opportunities. So I wanted something that paid a little bit more than that. And I loved anatomy and science and I loved, loved psychology. So I found OT. I also say OT found me because I kind of discovered it after I had already applied to colleges. So um, luckily, five out of the nine colleges I applied to had OT majors, so that narrowed down my choice for me there. And then I kind of just had to choose thereafter. But um, I've always just had a passion for helping people. And I think being a loud, talkative kid, having a passion for um, helping others or empowering others to get their message across. So it kind of was just the perfect blend of everything that I was looking for. And I didn't know that OT is what I was looking for at the time, but I'm happy it's where I landed. I love that. And I think actually some of what you said, I've heard from other people as well in that the, the appeal of teaching, you know, being an educator yeah. and how as a kid, that's a job that most people are aware of because you typically have teachers. Um, but then people who, as they discover OT, oftentimes kind of transition from wanting to be a teacher. I think there's a lot of overlap and some of the qualities that make people really good teachers also make really good OTs. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I think one of the most important parts of our job is teaching and that's one of my most, or educating others. And, and that's probably like, that might be in my top favorite parts of being an OT is just having the opportunity not only to educate our patients to help them become more independent and safe, but collaborating with and educating other health professionals and team members is um, just a really great experience. Yeah, that's a good it. thing to love about our jobs. I also like what you said about wanting to help people get their messages across. Yeah. yeah. What does that mean to you? I went to school that had, um, I went to schools that had integrated classrooms and I was initially a quiet person myself, but I also noticed that there were some friends in my classroom that were just naturally more quiet and that's how they were and their needs weren't being heard or met or maybe they were being bullied. And so from a young age, I kind of always had a passion to help them stick up for themselves. And I didn't come from a family with a lot of money and I went to a school district that, you know, was full of people that were wealthy or their parents owned a football team. So I didn't feel heard a lot and I knew what it felt like to not feel heard. So when I kind of found my own footing and was able to speak for myself, I wanted to use that to speak for others too. I love that. What a cool way that, you know, your experiences have informed how you are as a therapist and how you empower other people to 
to speak up and have their voices heard. So that's why you got into OT. And fast forward, now you are an OT. Yay. Oh my gosh, I still can't believe it. <laughs> Finally, right? <laughs> uh I think we're in school for so long that when it finally happens and we're OTs, it's almost this, just almost like this identity crisis of, wait a second, I've been an OT student for so long and you have to kind of (laughs) take some time to embrace the idea that we're actually therapists. You're not kidding. And I, I remember like my first week at my first job, which when I say first job and I've only been out for a year, that'll make sense in a little bit. Um, for those of you who don't know a lot about travel OT, but, um, I was like, wait, where are my professors to help me? I mean, we had field work, but you still have a supervisor, like, and a, a field work educator and you have your professors. I was like, you guys cut that, that rope real quick. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, that's, that's like the best way to learn, but I still cannot believe that I have been an OT for a year it feels like I'm not ready still. (laughs) Like, I don't even know what I'm doing as an adult. I barely know how to like send mail. And here I am writing orders for patients. I don't know. There's a whole lot of disconnect there. (laughs) (laughs) I know the feeling, but from what everyone else tells me, it doesn't look that way from the outside. And we know more than we think we do. So I just keep telling myself that. (laughs) You're right. You are right. And then just to give us some credit, right, for other people listening, to give ourselves a little bit of credit, isn't it so gratifying when you're working with a client and they just tell you that something that you guys have worked on together has impacted such an important area of their life? You want to know what my favorite adaptive equipment is for this very reason? It's a sock aid. (laughs) Every time I whip out a sock aid for my residents and I demonstrate it and I have them use it, they will not stop talking about how incredible that adaptive equipment is and how they wish they came up with the idea to make such a simple thing. But <laughs> it's sock magic. It just puts that sock right on your leg, you know? I know. It's ma- it is magic. And it's so funny. I've had a bunch of people also tell me, don't you wish you created this? You'd be a millionaire. <laughs> like every single time. <laughs> oh, every time. And it's, you know, I'm fortunate to have so many small wins like that throughout the week just because we do ADLs every day here, sister. So we got to get those (laughs) socks on. That's my favorite. But when you have big wins with with a client, especially when you're maybe working with someone with impairments that you don't have a lot of strengths in practice wise, when you have those, those victories, it's definitely reassuring that maybe I'm in the right place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so true. And it's the the kind of little victories or even, like you said, the occasional big one that that really validates why we're doing what we're doing. And that as much as we still want to learn and know we have to learn, um, we we whatever we know right now is still helpful, helpful to people. You know, yes. what we know can still make a difference in people's lives. And they are not kidding when they tell you that this this profession is... A, a trip on never-ending learning. Ugh. We are learning all the time, all day, and we have to. Yeah. And I love that. I know. And you know what I think is cool and even different from some other health professions? In in some ways, that not only are we learning some of the professional skills and uh, kind of looking into what the research is saying and understanding more about certain diagnoses and whatnot, but 
to do our jobs well, we have to learn from every single client we work with. And if we're not learning from them, we are not doing our jobs. Uh, yeah. And we have to learn each individual's home and their home environment, or if they're a child, like, well, still their home environment. <laughs> you know, we have to learn everything about who they were before they came to us and who they are now and where they plan to be after. And we have to represent that for them too, because I know I talked about this in my interview with Sarah, but what one of the things that makes OT so unique is that profile that we established through our occupational interview and, and knowing the whole person and helping others understand the whole person, because that really has an impact on their stay, you know, at a hospital or their time at school and um, how much they benefit from therapies. Yeah. And we, and we find out key information through our interviewing process and rapport building process that other professionals might not get out of their interview process. And they get stuff that we don't get as well. And so coming to the table and really advocating for what we know about our client, what we've learned from them can make a huge difference in the whole team approach and the whole discharge planning process and really setting them up for success. So and for the listeners who heard you say this interview with Sarah, I want to clarify that there's another great interview that Deb was on um, OT for life. If you don't follow that podcast, it's a great one. Love listening. And that's uh, hosted by Sarah. So OT for life is a really good one. Um, I kind of want to move on to talk a little bit about your job process. So you've graduated OT school, you're an OT. What was your next step to finding your first job? Okay. So I, loaded question. <laughs> yeah, loaded question. So I actually did go on quite a journey and I did not go on the journey alone. So I had been pursuing the idea of travel therapy or being a travel therapist for over a year prior to graduation. So I started to do some research. We had some people come to my school that were mentors and companies that talked about it. And it was something I was really interested in, but I was really scared to go into it alone. So I knew that if I was going to do travel OT or at least start in travel OT, that I needed a partner. I needed someone who would go on the journey with me. So it was actually, I believe, March of my final year of OT. So that's, I mean, about a year probably after I started the process of talking with companies and figuring out um, the whole world of travel OT that my lifelong friend, Sydney, decided that she wanted to do it too. And we had a conversation and we both realized that we wanted to do it. But the one thing holding us back was that we didn't have a partner. So hello, partners. Um so, but we started talking with two of the larger travel companies. We met two recruiters that we really connected with. Um, one of our recruiters had a family emergency during kind of what was our crucial job finding process. So we ended up going with a company that we worked with less, but we're happy that we did. Um, so we started talking about travel contracts, uh, areas we'd like to travel when we're taking the boards, because obviously, you know, that impacts when we get to start our jobs and, um, you know, how much money we wanted to make, what we were interested in city, rural, all of these things. So in travel therapy, there's, there's like three huge slices of a pie that you have to go through. And I'll go into this more in depth later, but, um, we had to think about pay, 
setting and location or location of where you're working. So Sydney and I had to sit down together and kind of figure out which slices of the pie we wanted to be bigger and which, you know, what worked for us. And through working with Recruiter, we both landed our first jobs in California. So jump across the United States from New York. Yeah, that's a big move. And I think, you know, what you mentioned about being maybe a little bit scared to take that leap. Yeah. Especially knowing that you can be placed anywhere. That's really real, right? Taking that jump to move. I moved for my first job as well to a place where I didn't, I didn't know anyone. Um, and that you had that support. What would you say to someone who, who maybe doesn't have a partner who can go with them? They don't have a friend who's also yeah. looking to be a travel OT. Have you picked up any kind of tips you could share with them, even though that hasn't been your experience? So that actually is my experience now. Maybe you're not oh, starting, okay. but I am, I am a solo traveler now. So um, what my best friend learned and Sydney I've I've known Sydney my previous travel partner since kindergarten and we've gone to school kindergarten elementary school middle high school and actually we both went to the same college for our bachelor's and master's so we have been through it together um she was an amazing travel partner but she realized being away from home that home is the only place she wanted to be so that was a great realization for her and I had to make a decision whether or not I wanted to continue with travel and travel on my own or, you know, find a permanent job, which is what us travelers call um, pretty much any (laughs) non-travel job. So the jobs where you stay in one place and you don't bounce around every so many months. But um, my advice is kind of do do a lot of meditation or what I mean by that is is self-reflection and sit with yourself and check in with yourself and look at some major things. Are you Are you confident in your OT practice or are you confident on your own in general? And do you want to be challenged in ways that you haven't been challenged before? And do you want to, you know, go on an adventure in every aspect of that, of the definition of that word, whether it's an adventure to a new setting and a new place and maybe to a place where you don't know anyone? Um, If you can answer yes to some of those questions, then it's, it's probably a good option for you or you should at least give it a try and Sydney would have never found out that travel therapy wasn't for her had she not gone on a travel therapy contract. Um, and it's not even that travel therapy wasn't for her. I think it was just being on the complete opposite side of the U.S. for her was not bueno. And maybe that was a big step to take for both of us initially. Um, but just check in with yourself. And it's something that you want to do. You can give it a try. You know, it's travel therapy. I always tell people who reach out to me and have questions or are interested is it's always there. It's not going anywhere. So if you take a per diem job or you take a permanent job and after a few years, it's not for you and you want to try it, travel therapy is still there. That's great advice. And I have a follow-up question to that. You mentioned that people can just give it a try, right? And then if it's not for you, you move on. Mm-hmm. How long or how short can contracts for travel therapy be? So typically a travel therapy contract is between three months or 13 weeks, just like field work, up to a year. So if you stick at a job for longer than a year, the IRS for tax reasons doesn't super consider you a traveler anymore. So um, traveltax.com and the IRS and other agencies that kind of oversee travel therapy recommend not staying in a place longer than a year. I have... um, seen contracts that are less than three months long, which are called short-term contracts or 
even more temporary contracts, whether that's filling in um, a leave for someone who had an injury or a maternity leave. Sometimes those are a little bit shorter, but typically you're looking at three months to 12 months. And then when I'm thinking about maybe these shorter term contracts, either the really short ones or even just sort of that three month mark, what's the onboarding process like? Because I know at a, at a more, what you call permanent job, how the onboarding process can be a few weeks, but I think I can only imagine that with a 13 week contract, they don't want you orienting for a few weeks. No. So, um, yeah, that is where you have to check in with the, are you a confident therapist and are you confident on your own part? So I consider myself relatively or maybe growingly more confident in my practice, but I, I am a confident advocate for myself most of the time. So I felt okay to take that on. My first job, which was a less than desirable situation um, in hindsight, was a one-day orientation where um, I, and I also, I should preface with this was in a home health setting. I had no experience in home health, but I was ready to take it on because I worked in acute rehab and acute care and EI and I did home visits. So I felt like I could handle it. Um, and my interventions and treatment planning weren't the issue. It was just that I got less than one day orientation. And then I had two evals slapped onto me and no experience with the documentation system and no experience with Oasis. And I kind of was just set out to either sink or swim. Um, fortunately, I was able to swim and I have some really awesome professors that were great resources for me still to this day. Now they're colleagues and friends, but that was very helpful. Um, I had a better orientation, but still we'll say like barely a two day intervention or a barely a two day orientation at my current location. Um, but I didn't struggle as much with this transition, probably because it was a little more familiar to me, probably because the orientation also was um, better executed at this facility. And I'm in skilled nursing now, so also a different setting. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's still an adjustment. Yes, it sure is. With so little orientation, but I guess it's kind of the nature of travel OT. So, you know, it's good that we're talking about this yeah. because as you said, if someone doesn't feel like that's a good fit for them to kind of just jump on board and like you said, sink or swim and kind of find your way to the surface, then this might not be the next step for them, but it's still something to kind of keep in the back of their minds well, you know, for the future. And we also, so there's a lot of, there's a huge preface that I have to put out here because I feel like my experiences in travel therapy, I've, I've had a lot of less than typical things occur to me more frequently than it occurs to the rest of the general population. And I have had a tougher time with some contracts some other things than I know is the norm. So I don't want it to paint it off to be what a lot of people think it is, which is it's not for new grads because I am surviving and thriving out here as a new grad. However, um, it is all about the interview process and you deciding what you want to be in your contract and um, how desperate you, desperate you are to find a job. If you have some wiggle room and you start the process early and you ask the right questions and you say, listen, re recruiter, um, <laughs> I, Mr. or Mrs. Recruiter, I would only like a contract that has a, an a, at least one week long orientation that narrows down your job search to finding jobs that only have a one week orientation. Or if during your interview, that's what you want, 
you can say to the the facility you're interviewing for, hey, I'm I'm interested in this job, but um, for me, I need a week orientation to get settled and make sure that I'm I'm well oriented and I can provide for my patients at your facility. I'm not able to accept this job without that. Is that something that you guys are willing to negotiate? And so there's there's a whole lot of negotiation that happens. It hasn't been one of the top priorities for me just because I am able to adapt and adjust pretty well, but it is an option for those who maybe need a, a little bit more of a grace period to start swimming in their new pool. Yeah, I love analogies. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned uh, some really good questions people should be thinking about when they're talking with a recruiter. Is there anything else that either that you asked that you were really glad you asked or maybe that you didn't, but would in the future? Yeah. Oh man. I wish <laughs> I, I actually have, I don't have it with me because I'm currently booked and busy, but I do have a travel therapy notebook that has an, a growing list of questions. And I've started to convert that to a word document resource for um, people who ask questions about travel therapy on my blog or Instagram. So I always ask about productivity. I always ask about um, other team members in the facility. So how many OTs, PTs, speech therapists, respiratory therapists, what's your nursing staff like? Um, Are you well staffed? You know, those are important questions. What are your hours, your attire? Um, Am I going to be overseeing CODAs? How, ha- how has their experience been with supervision with travelers in the past? Um, a lot of times if I'm looking at a new area, I'll ask the, usually you have an interview with, you know, the OT supervisor, the director of rehab, usually I'll ask them if they have any housing recommendations for the area um, or what the area is like, what is there to do for, for hobbies or free time, because that's going to paint kind of the culture of the area, which is an important thing to consider. Um, What's nice is a lot of the like nitty gritty money contract stuff is usually taken care of between your recruiter and your company and the facility. So I can say, I'm only taking this weekly amount or, or I want, you know, more money moved this way. And then that's where that kind of ends unless, you know, they come back with negotiations and we do more talking. But those more uncomfortable questions, I usually don't have to ask myself. Um, but I, I like to get a really good picture of what a uh, day in the life of an OT looks like there. So how many patients do I see? What does your therapy gym look like? Is it an OT and PT combined gym? Is it separate? How many resources do you have? What standardized tests do you have? I mean, I, I seriously have like such a long list that's grown. Just each contract I go on, I add more questions of things that I wish I knew um, previously, but those are some of, I think I listed like 20. Those are, those are a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm looking forward to that blog post and we're going to get to that in a little bit, kind of talking yeah. about your blog and all the fun resources you're going to be sharing on there. Yeah. Uh, yay. Uh, when you're talking about this interview process, I take it it's happening through call or video chat. Call. So all of mine have been through call. I know when I was still with my travel partner, Sydney, she had one place that we were considering that was an in-person interview, but it was like three hours away at a really inconvenient work day time. And we're like, you know, you know, we're still working. So, um, <laughs> but typically they're over the phone and I've had an interview that lasted legitimately three minutes. 
And I've also had an interview that lasted an hour and a half. So there is a lot of variability in the interviewing process for tribal therapy, but typically a short and sweet interview of, are you licensed? If not, when do you expect to be licensed? Do you know what we do in this setting? And what do you, you know, give me an overview of your experience. It's very simple. Now with that three minute interview, is that a position you ended up taking? <laughs> No, okay. absolutely not. And here's why. I, you know what? I didn't think so, but yeah, I'd love to know why. <laughs> okay. So I am a big, um, how do I word this? I am someone who values the energy that other people give off. And I could tell he didn't listen to a single word that I said. He talked very quickly. He didn't do any rephrasing to even acknowledge that I said anything. And um, wasn't interested in anything that I cared about personally or was passionate about. He just wanted to know basically how I was going to make him money. You know, are you an OT? What do you do? Do you know how to do this? Can you can you manage an unrealistic productivity expectation? And then the kicker, the kicker, Miranda. Oh, no. This is what got me to. This is what made me say no. Is he told my recruiter that my personality shined through in the interview and that he really enjoys my values as an occupational therapist, which is great feedback for someone that has an interview with me that lasts more than three minutes um, and asks me questions that would maybe bring out what I'm passionate about or my personality and energy. But it was three minutes long of basically yes, no questions. So, so that was a no for me, dog. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting how he got that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was offered a job, which I'm very grateful for. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for the interview experience. However, um, I learned a lot of maybe I learned more don'ts than do's from that interview, which is equally as valuable as a stellar interview. So. And it's cool that you were able to acknowledge, Hey, even though he gave weirdly great feedback for not actually getting that information, I don't, I'm so fascinated about that situation, but even though that happened, yeah. <laughs> Um, that you were able to say, you know what, this isn't for me. And even though I was offered a job, I have sort of my values in a workplace and I know myself and this is not for me. And I think that can be hard to do when you're a new grad or, you know, even in your first year of practice to acknowledge that not every job I'm offered is the job for me. Yeah. And I think that even as new grads going into a permanent job, we need to take more time to not rush into a job and really find a job that's good for us because this is something else that I've become passionate about. And I experienced full throttle in California on that first job that I took is burnout. And if you rush into a job or you're going into a situation that's, you know, is less than ideal for you, the answer is most likely going to be burnout and it's not a fun place to be. And if you need a resource for it, um, you can look at joy energy time on Instagram yeah. and her, newsletter as well as burnout to lit up podcast Great. um erica really changed my perspective on burnout and my ability to empower myself to avoid that but if you don't ask the right questions and if you just say yes for the sake of getting a job and saying yes it it may lead you to an unhappy place and i would hate for any of my lovely ot family out there to end up in that place so say no and think about your choices. That sounded like an advertisement for not doing drugs. And I loved it. But also yeah. don't take a job you well, don't want. 
Right. Well, jumping back to Sarah Putt from um, OT for Life, she said this, and it has been ringing in my head. I remind myself every day now that if you say yes, it better be a hell yes, because if you, when you say yes, you say no to everything else, and those no's better be a hell no. I added a little extra spice to that, but that's basically what she said. You know, if it's a hell yes, then everything else better be a hell yeah, hell no. And so if I'm not excited enough to say hell yes about an opportunity, then it's probably a no for me because there is going to be a hell yes opportunity that comes for me. And it's better just to wait for something that's magical than settle for something that doesn't sparkle. I love, spar- I love this. Yes. You wanted to sparkle. And I love what you're saying because for every yes, for everything we say yes to, that's another yes that we can't give away to something else. Right? When you look at it like that, it's like, girl, I'm not going to give away my yeses that easily then, you know? No, you got to save your yeses for what you, like you said, what's going to like sparkle. What's going to feel like this is it. I love that. Did you feel like travel OT for you so far has been a hell yeah? Um, (laughs) it has been, it has been a hell yeah. And it's been a hell yeah, because I am so happy with the Devlin I am today. And I know that I would not have grown into this person without the past year of travel therapy. And I, I have gone back and forth between travel therapy and looking into permanent jobs and I've applied and I've interviewed for permanent jobs. And right now I'm still a travel therapist and I just feel like being in this, in this bubble of OT that I have been able to learn at such an accelerated rate in so many settings and meet so many people and have so much cultural experience that it not only has enriched my OT practice, but it's just enriched my entire life. And I'm just trying to soak all of that up for as long as I can. Yeah. So it'd be in the present while you're there. And the, what's next is going to be great, but it's next, not now. Yeah. I mean, it has been a struggle. I think that taking a permanent job is also a struggle. The transition from um, student to practitioner is a struggle. So I can't, I guess, be negative about travel therapy because I know a lot of those transitions would have happened regardless of where where I'm working. So that's a really good reflective point that anyone's kind of first few positions or first few experiences as a practitioner, there's gonna be challenges that are gonna be we're gonna face, not necessarily because of the setting or the coworkers, the location or, or the management, whatever the case may be, but that, yeah, there's, there's certain personal barriers we have to overcome too, just becoming OTs. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to experience them no matter what job we take. I think you're giving great advice though, for how to kind of overcome some of those, which is really helpful. Thank you, Miranda. So I want to go back to a little bit a little bit into more detail about kind of the process of signing on with a company. Yeah. It sounds like there's just so much to unpack there. Probably we could have a whole series just about travel OT, but for the sake of this episode, I'm, I'm curious about this negotiation process because you're highlighting a lot of different aspects of the job that need negotiation, right? Yes. What parts of that process did you negotiate with the recruiter and what parts did you negotiate with the actual employer? 
So for me, I, I do a lot of my negotiating through my recruiter because that is something that my recruiter and I decided upon too, just um, to avoid any, I guess he said, she said type of thing. Um, it, but it, all, I do participate and facilitate all the negotiation. I just tell them what to say. So how it typically happens is, and I'll just briefly go into this so I can save a lot of the juice and tea for maybe a later episode with you. But um, you get a very bland description of what the job is. So it's probably the pay they want to give you, the guaranteed hours per week, the setting, and a general location of that setting. Once you start a, a dialogue with that contract, then you get more info. But you kind of just started all off by location setting and money back to that pie. Um, I tell my recruiter, this is the amount of money I want. Um, well, first, first off you have an interview. So interview is where I kind of start to get all of this, this tea that I want to discuss with the company and with the contract. So I ask them my questions about the facility and, you know, what's my caseload like, what is your productivity Am I overseeing CODAs? Um, because if I'm overseeing CODAs, that means I have to spend time educating them. And if I have a high productivity, like I'm going to be working really hard. And if the productivity is really high, I'm going to be expecting more money. Like these are all, these are all thoughts that go through my head. And I tell my recruiter, um, you know, right after the interview, these are the things that went well. These are my concerns. Um, these are some things I'd like negotiated. I always shoot for a 40-hour guarantee, so that means that the facility has to guarantee me 40 hours, and if they can't provide me that, then they have to pay me 40. So if we have low census and I only get 36 hours and I still get paid for 40 because that's what's guaranteed within my contract. Um, so that's a good way to have your back. Um, I usually, I always negotiate productivity because... There are a lot of locations out there that have unrealistic and unethical productivity expectations. And I am here to impact that. Um, and yeah, an hour. So I am an early riser right now. My work schedule is 6.30 to 2.30 or 6 to 2. I like to get in there, help some patients get up, get ADLs done and get the heck out so that I can get some hiking in or a nap or something in the day. Um, so I usually try to negotiate like a lower hour schedule or if I can do uh, four tens in a week and have three days off, that's also something that I prefer. So it, I, I make my company do all of the dirty work and talking, but all of that negotiation comes from me and I ultimately sign the contract. So if it's not something that I'm not going to sign, it's not getting my name and we're moving on to another location. Yeah. I love it. You sound so empowered and just like, you've got this. I'm impressed. Well, because I think when we graduate, we kind of have this mouse mentality that we're the little guy out there and we can't ask for more money. And how dare we ask for something that pays a, a master's student, you know, because we just got out of school and we don't know so much, but we just spent for me, I was in a BSMS program, so five years of hyper-accelerated learning and two field works where I took over caseload. Yes, I just graduated, but it's not that I don't know anything. And for you and I both, we both went to the Future Scientists and OT Summit and the Research Summit, 
And so, you know, we have some things that make us special and we should be paid for our unique qualities. And so I learned a lot from that first job where I experienced burnout and I accepted a contract that was uh, lowballing me and continued to lowball me. And I didn't feel my worth from them, but I knew my worth. And I think it was from them kind of treating me less than I should be treated is how I kind of truly found my worth. So a lot has changed since that first contract. I definitely didn't walk into the first contract asking for more money or advocating for myself. I think I got beat up a little bit and I realized that the only person that could change this is me and that I'm putting my name on that contract. So if I'm unhappy at the end of the day and it's things that I knew that were going to be there when I signed up, then, um, you know, I should be unhappy with myself because I signed that and I don't want to be unhappy with myself. So I take a lot of extra care into what I ask for, into knowing my worth and um, saying no to things. So motivational. I feel like I'm listening to a motivational speech. Oh my gosh. Everybody should wake up to a little bit of like Devlin's motivational talking. I, I love it. Oh my goodness. I would like, I already feel like I just like I'm ready to take on the world right now. Well, good. I, that is, that is something that I want. That's the energy I want to put out, Miranda. I want to just help people feel good about themselves and help us know our worth because we all are so magical truly like not even cheesily magical we all have some sort of magic to us and we got to just let it out and let other people know what it's all about well i think this is a perfect time to talk about the other um venture that's occupying your time right now talking about spreading just like the love and magic and encouraging people tell us how you're doing that yeah so right now a lot of my time and energy although some could argue, goes into my Instagram, which is at the rainbow OT on Instagram, um, formerly known as dev new OT. But I, the longer that I've spent time in this universe of healthcare, the more I've realized that there's a very empty space for all things LGBTQIA+, whether it's Um, proper treatment of, whether it's knowledge of, whether it's access to care um, or, you know, gender-specific care and things that are really important. And there's just a whole lack of education on it. And reeling back to um, my passion for empowering the voices of others and advocacy, I kind of felt a lot of pressure on myself to start talking about something that wasn't being talked about and talk about the injustices that um, LGBT plus individuals experience in healthcare, specifically trans individuals, and what we can do about it as OTs and what we can do about it as humans. So I've started, I guess, a campaign or uh, a brand towards inclusion and acceptance and positivity and love and that there's a space for all of us at the table And I've recently launched a blog that I know you saw it because you followed it. You can see that it's in its very much baby form. Um, I have to dedicate a lot of quality time to make it the the unicorn that I want to make it into. But with my blog, I hope to have an entire section where I put a spotlight on LGBT plus voices, whether it's from the patient perspective or from the healthcare perspective. So we as healthcare professionals can can hear it from the the people that it matters most to. 
I want to be a resource that provides other resources. So I plan on having an entire page dedicated to LGBT plus resources, whether it's for, for the patient or for people that need help um, for the practitioners just to learn about kind of the unique needs that some people in the community may have and just any resource that provides a safe space for LGBT plus people in healthcare. And then I also have a spot where I'm going to talk about my life as an OT as a openly or as an openly gay practitioner and just as a travel therapist. And maybe I'll share some of my favorite hikes or food from the areas. But my main focus is going to be uh, LGBT plus education and occupational therapy education. And this just feels like it's come so kind of full circle from initially you said you became an OT because you wanted to help people share their messages and get their messages across to the people who needed to hear them. And that's kind of exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I had a lot of self doubt about it at first. And I I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to try to make it all of these things that I wanted it to be. And I, I came to realize with the support from some really amazing OT advocates and social media, um, I will call them a star, social media stars for OT, that kind of pushed me just to do it. And it doesn't have to be perfect from the start. And we all have a unique story to share and maybe represent some people that aren't represented as frequently. And and we should just talk about it. And it all starts, it all has to start somewhere. And um, that's kind of where I'm at now. So my Instagram has been around for a bit longer. Um, I know uh, I've gained a lot of new rainbows, as I call them. Um, and I'm just happy to connect with so many people. And I hope to do the same thing with my blog on a different level and in more detail, because any of my Instagram followers, I'm going to put this out there now. I know, I know my posts are wordy. Just bear with me. I'm working on it. The wordiness is going to go to my blog. Mostly, I'm going to try to be concise on Instagram so that you guys can read it. And then if you're interested in more, you can head over to the blog. So that is my my new project. And it's just a little seed now. And I'm really excited for it to grow into a, a big old flower. Yeah, I'm excited to see what it turns into. And I think the idea that it's small right now is you know, like you said, everything has to start somewhere. And so many of the cool things happening in our field are happening from a grassroots level. And I really think that's what this is, right? Like you as the Rainbow OT, you're starting from a point of saying, hey, I want to represent this group that isn't being well represented. And we can all learn together, maybe go out of our comfort zone for some or dive right into our comfort zone for others. um, And really just kind of embrace this learning experience and be a tribe of OTs together. And um, I think that's the best place for things to start. It's so relatable too. And I think we just have to start. Like yeah. the same thing goes for you too though, Miranda. You, you've you had this idea about OT Uncorked and all it took was someone just nudging you a little bit to get started. And here you are with your podcast thriving and growing and you're on Twitter and you're on Instagram and your idea is your own and no one else is doing it. And you're talking about things that other people aren't talking about and helping people. And 
Um, I think maybe that's why we connect so well is because sometimes you just have to do it and you just have to start that conversation and see where it goes. Yeah. Oh, well, I appreciate that so much. And I think, well, it's all true. (laughs) And I think you're right. That's why we probably became friends partially because we just kept going to the same conferences and we became conference buddies. And I, I don't want to go to a conference that you're not at at this point. So we've got to compare calendars. <laughs> I mean, same. We got to, we have to stay on the same schedule um, to, to break up. <laughs> this is true. We're, we're officially conference buddies. We're beyond conference buddies. I don't know what, what we'll, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll label it. it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's so true. You know, we want to connect with people who are like-minded. And I think something that struck me about you when I met you at the Future Scientists um, meetup or conference was that you have all these big ideas and you're so driven to just start dabbling in all of them and say, okay, what can I do? I'm just so excited. You have so much great energy. It's just finding outlets for it. Um, and I think that's just a great kind of environment to be around. And so if all of us who have these ideas and, and want to start exploring uh, uncharted territory or um, just dive into something we're passionate about, I think coming together and encouraging each other and supporting each other and, you know, you being on my podcast and I'll, you know, I'm excited to see what you're posting on your blog and excited to share that with people who are following me. I, I just think the the collaboration and the encouragement in our OT tribe is so, so important to making anything happen. I could not agree anymore. I think the OT tribe is such a powerhouse. I hope no one comes for the OT tribe one day because it's it's going to be pretty because we're just nice and professional, but it also won't be pretty because oh, yeah. we're such a fierce oh, yeah. movement. But the OT presence is real on social media and the connection and openness to acceptance and inclusivity and just empowering others is full throttle. And I have met some of to this day my best friends just from instagram and social media meetups for ot and we meet up at conferences like you and i do and we chat the whole time we're not in conferences and i'm just very thankful for everything that ot has brought to me like shout out to occupational (laughs) major shout out (laughs) just the whole profession everybody in it And I think for people who don't necessarily feel part of that tribe yet or don't have connections, I mean, you mentioned just getting on social media and I'll tell you why anyone who, who knows me well is kind of laughing that I'm active on Twitter now. That's so not something that was comfortable for me. It was all pretty new. And so just getting onto Twitter for OTN Cork was for me out of my comfort zone. And yet through Twitter, I've connected with so many people who I'm now friends with, within our profession. And I would highly recommend to anyone who is looking for that kind of connection with other OTs to feel kind of fed into um, and, and sort of encouraged in our jobs. Because you, I mean, you've mentioned this, you mentioned this before, that burnout is huge, right? In all healthcare, but especially with us. So it, I feel right. like when I go on social media and I see your Instagram posts, and yes, they are wordy, but you know what? I read every word, so it's not bad. <laughs> I read it. I said it. She said it. And then she said it on Twitter when I when I you know engage in like these little Twitter conversations. It's like that fills me up. 
and I think really helps to counter out the burn, uh, counteract the burnout a little bit. And so to anyone who doesn't feel like they have that tribe or they just kind of feel like they're alone in the OT universe, come find us. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, on top of that, because this is something that I have struggled with as a new grad and especially, you know, as a traveler is pushing myself to sit down and read a book or read articles. Articles, once I get started, I could spend like a hundred hours just <laughs> reading through new articles. But sometimes after a work day, or if you had a heavy eval day, or if you had all these progress notes due or recertifications, like my eyes cannot anymore. Mm -hmm. And I get so many ideas or, or maybe inspirations for new ideas from listening to your podcast or listening to OT podcasts and scrolling through Instagram. One person that I learned so much from is Mandy Chamberlain uh, at Seniors yep, Flourish. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Like even today, her post today, like, thank you again for just teaching me. And it's being involved in the, in the social media world or just in the, yeah, you know, in the social media world of podcasts or Instagrams or Twitter, you're also doing continuing ed. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you're getting credits, you're learning, you're getting new treatment ideas. So a good example of this is Emily Marie OT on Instagram who reviews articles. So you don't even have to read the article. She does, she critically appraises it and um, summarizes the important parts of the article and the results and the study size and all of the things that we need to know to apply it to practice. So get involved on social media and a lot of the things that you may be stressing about, you're going to get achieved without even realizing it. I, I sat down today and I was like, God, I need to, I want to pull out Pedretti, a scary thought, pull out Pedretti and read through some chapters, but like my eyes just cannot, I can't sit anymore today. Like, but then I realized I just got two new treatment ideas from Instagram and I just listened to an hour long episode, a podcast episode on my ride home. And that was all OT stuff. And maybe it wasn't practice based, but it enriched my understanding of culture or just filled up my cup to be inspired and passionate, you know, tomorrow. So there are so many benefits to getting involved in this community. Absolutely. And I want to mention another resource. Um, you talked about Emily Marie OT right, on Instagram. There's also yes. a podcast called OT Potential, and there's a whole OT Potential membership site. But she does yes. the same thing. So even if, oh um, so you know, you have your resource on Instagram, you can you can listen to the podcast while reading Instagram. You can double dip on, you know, um, but you can find so many resources from other OTs. And yeah, so we all share those together. I think that we all grow. And like you said, it's 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 kind of more enjoyable to you know scroll through Instagram and learn something new about your, for your practice or to inspire you to be a better OT. So there's, there's resources out there. We just have to find them, right? Yeah. Are there any resources out there for people who are travel OTs or interested in travel OTs? The biggest resource that there, the answer to that is yes. <laughs> the biggest resource that I have is um, if you're on Facebook, the travel therapy therapist, Facebook group, which is specifically just for the therapists. There are no recruiters. There are no companies in there. So we get to actually kind of air it all out, talk about things that happen at work, help support each other. That has been monumental in my journey as a travel therapist and connecting with people in the same area or learning things, you know, about taxis and other things that are stressful as a traveler. Um, that has been a great resource. It's 
I believe, primarily run by a travel SLP named Julia. I might butcher the pronunciation. It's either Kuhn or Kun. Um, K-U-H-N. She also has an Instagram, so you can connect with her there. But I know that she, I believe, created the Facebook or is one of the admins. Um, I see her very active on there. But that is a great place to start. There is also a mentorship group um, called Wanderlust PTs. I got a lot of my meat understanding of travel therapy, and it's kind of like a travel therapy 101. From them, they have a paid course you can take, which I haven't taken, but I do recommend just based off of my experiences with them. Um, but they came to my school twice. I got to ask them a lot of questions. They are great mentors. So they're not recruiters. They're not a company. They're here to help you be successful as a travel therapist. They're another great one. And they're not just PT specific. They help out OTs or any other travel, um, healthcare professional. That's really helpful. Thank you for sharing those. And I'll put those on otmquirk.com so that if you're listening and you don't have a pen by you, no worries. Who uses pens anymore? If you don't have your notes app open, don't worry. I will put it on the blog. Oh my God. I use pens all day. (laughs) I'm such a sticky note person, like 110 sticky notes throughout my day at work. You know, it's so funny. I have my computer open, you know, to document all day, but there's something about typing while I'm in a treatment session that I don't love. So I always have a blank. Right. Oh. So I always have a blank piece of oh. paper next to me and I handwrite a ton of stuff and then I type it in later, which I know is inefficient, but it's just so much more me. <laughs> you know what? It's so much more you and it's so much more ethical. Who would have thought <laughs> that spending your entire treatment session one-on-one with your patient, who really is the one who signs your paycheck to get them the best health outcome, um, would be just you as a person. Crazy thought. Hmm. Hmm crazy thought that we could maybe all be doing that and that's how our healthcare system should be and I know that there's the whole triangle position they say of looking at the patient and being on your laptop but it's not the same you're disconnecting yourself from the patient do what we do and take notes and do it later (laughs) and negotiate for realistic productivity expectations so that you have time to die so true amen to all of that and sticky notes are the best stock up (laughs) You just got me so triggered. (laughs) Speaking of kind of, so you you mentioned kind of some barriers, right? Right there with treatment. I mean, I think productivity, documentation standards, there's so many barriers to us just reaching out to our clients and kind of doing our job. Um, But as OTs, we're really skilled and trained at overcoming barriers and finding ways around them, right? So that is my transition into, I want to get back to your blog. So I want to ask you about the barriers okay. related All to right. starting a blog, because oh. here's, here's what I think. I think that with many, I, I'm big about being authentic on this show. Okay. And I think that when we see people on social media or we see bloggers or podcasters or vloggers, we think, wow, they have it together. And I don't, I could never do that, but I want to highlight, <sighs> right. But I want to highlight because personally, I know this, there's so many barriers, so many new things to learn, so many things to figure out. And a lot of times I think most of us are just kind of flying by the seat of our pants, right? So what kind of barriers have you found in starting this brand and being the rainbow OT and having your own blog? 
I think I was just triggered at least five times in that last that last question slash transition from you. No. So here's here is the hot tea, people. I'm gonna spill the tea for you. And I am sad slash happy there are already two OT podcasts called Spill the OT or Spill the Tea because oh man, did I miss my I missed my mark. Um yeah, lots of barriers. I would say my biggest barrier was myself. Mm. So, um, getting deep. Um, I, I told myself no. And I told myself that I wasn't going to be interesting and no one would want to hear what I have to say. And, you know, maybe I'm not the right person to represent or advocate for such a such a powerful community and I don't want to do it wrong and I want to be perfect. And it was all of these I statements about myself and things that I was telling myself I couldn't do or expectations that I set that were just not realistic in the first place. So my biggest barrier was myself and I have to give a lot of credit to Sarah Putt at OT for life for giving me the nudge that I invited her to give me to just do it. So I sat down 100% confirmed my idea that I wanted to start my blog before I left AOTA. (laughs) I didn't launch my blog until Mm -hmm. last week. And as all of you can know, if you go to the rainbowot.com and they're one of the main reasons I put the link on my Instagram already is to remind myself I need to invest time into it so that it can become the thing that I want it to be. But I didn't launch it until a week ago, or I think maybe two weeks ago, and then I didn't really announce it until a week ago, because that's how long it took for me to get over myself. And I needed other people to help me realize that I'm not going to be perfect. And I am going to say some things wrong sometimes, and that's okay. And I have to, I'm going to be honest with people and be very forefront in saying, I'm not an expert, but here's what I know. And here's what I've learned or researched and researched. And this is how I may be able to help you, or here are some other places that may be able to help you. And I just needed someone to help pull me out of my head. I think really the biggest barrier was myself. Some barriers were maybe looking into cost and deciding if I wanted to, which website to use, and if I wanted to host my domain um, off of another host site or buy my domain from another site and link that up with whatever site I chose to blog on versus just doing it all through the blog. Those were, I guess, other barriers or things to figure out. And that was more so just a me thing. But my biggest barrier by far was myself. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. Um, When I was studying for the board exam, for those who may be thinking about jobs now or, you know, about to graduate, I was the biggest barrier to myself. And I didn't realize that very early. I didn't realize that until I was closer to the end of my study schedule that Things weren't happening the way that I wanted them to because of myself, and I needed to just take a step back. So here is my reminder to all of you listening to this podcast that if you have a project or something you want to get done, take a step back, tell yourself you're okay, maybe drink some coffee or some wine, have a piece of chocolate, and just do it because you're going to be so much better off and just doing it than sitting there and spending all of this energy and time telling yourself all of these things that are negative and icky. That is a great call to action, and it really resonates with me because my experience of starting up OT Unquirked was really similar. I think I was also my biggest barrier. I was very self-limiting 
And everything you said, just, I really relate to. And so for anyone listening, who's having those self-limiting thoughts, whether, like you said, it's preparing for the exam, whether it's applying for a job, starting a new venture, something that they're they're kind of been thinking about, but have those sort of self-limiting barriers to, to really taking that next step. Just hear it from us that we're in the same boat and you're welcome aboard. Come on. We're all going to do this together, right? Yeah. Hop on the yeah. struggle <laughs> ship because we are sailing somewhere. We don't know where we're gonna... we are sailing. We don't know where we're going, but we're going and that's we're what gonna... matters. We're gonna figure it out. And that's, yeah, that's so what matters on that note. You know, it's not all barriers. I, and I don't want to leave it on that note because I think there's so many successes that once you take that leap of faith and you're like, you know what, I'm going to not be my biggest barrier. We're knocking that down and we're going to just take the next step. So what are some of the successes that you've experienced already? You haven't published at the time of this publication or at the time of this episode, you may have published an, a blog yeah. post. But you're still kind of in the starting stages. But I still want to know, you know, what are some of the successes you've had already as the Rainbow OT? Okay. So a lot of, like I said, a lot of my um, participation in the OT social media world has been on on Instagram. So it was originally just a personal Instagram, but then I realized (laughs) that all of my personal stuff was OT stuff and that um, I should just transition that to this journey. So Um, I think the biggest thing for me was I participated in Shannon Marie OT's The ABCs of OT this year, which is um, an advocacy mission for the month of OT to pick a different OT-related topic um, per letter. So I talked about pronouns, and I talked about trans-specific ADLs and trans care, and I talked about identity and advocacy and all of these things that are on brand for me and that I'm passionate about. And I was scared. I, I just assumed I would lose followers. I, which doesn't matter to me. If you're not in my tribe, that's okay. I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but I just, I didn't think it would be received well, or I didn't think anyone would read it. And I had such an overwhelming response from people that mean a lot to me and people that I haven't ever met before that took away everything I wanted them to take away from um, those posts, whether it was just inspiring them to to dig a little deeper in thought or to make a change in their life as an OT and consider pronouns and things. Mm -hmm. So once I had that type of response and I I saw that, okay, even if it's just one person, someone's interested in hearing this, that's what really lit the fire under me to launch the blog and take it seriously. So I've had a lot of successes just in people reaching out, whether it was from my OT time with Taylor or from the ABCs of OT or someone who met me at AOTA, just just seeing that what I say about the things that matter to me matter to someone else, um, that's enough to keep me going. Yeah. Oh, so powerful. And and on your website, you have under your your title, the Rainbow OT, you say inclusion representation and education. And it's so, so clear in just knowing you, but also just through this conversation that those are values that you hold very dear to you. And I can already tell, you know, through your Instagram and just through who you are, um, that anything that comes from you through this blog, through your interactions with people, they're really going to embody those, those three values of yours. And I'm so excited to see what you do with that. 
um, and to, just to see how much the rest of us can can learn from you and grow in our practice. Mm. But not just that, just in our understanding of others and in our connect our connectivity with people who are similar to us or are different than us, um, and just kind of sharing the human experience. And I know that just because of who you are, that's going to come through so, so clearly in your blog and you're going to kind of help us all relate to each other a little bit better. Oh, I hope that I can meet those expectations and achieve all of that because that's my goal. You already do. Um, You already do. Now we just got to get it on line. Yeah. (laughs) Now we just have to get it in two places and then the Facebook will come and then probably enough pressure from you and Sarah and yeah. I'll start a Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my God, girl. I can't even like manage my own ADLs in an Instagram right no, now. So sorry. in due time, but um, I have some really, I have some people I'm excited to, I am going to do some interviews, but they're going to be, you know, text interviews or there there'll be interviews I conduct in person, but put into words. Um, but I have some people I'm really excited to talk to that, um, I know are open to this um, that have really unique experiences that I think can help us as OTs. And I, I want to make it clear, I am the rainbow OT, but um, the information that I share is beneficial to all healthcare professionals. And um, as I progress in just my, oh, I hate saying it. It sounds so icky to me, but I know that's what it is um, in my brand. As I progress in my brand, so as I progress as the Rainbow OT, I hope to include a lot of things that are healthcare specific. So that apply to PTs and SLPs. And I want to share the experiences of the multidisciplinary team um, of healthcare professionals because this issue, the issues that LGBT plus individuals face are not unique to OT and they're not unique to therapies or anything. It's, it's a systematic and a global issue. And, um, yeah, I just want to collaborate with everyone and just kind of bridge gaps and understanding just across the board in in healthcare. I don't know how yet, but I'm going to do it. I think the most important part is the passion, the drive, and that you're taking next steps, you know, And, and I'm really excited too, because I also value as both a therapist and just as as me, um, really just getting to know people because I think it's really hard to be uncomfortable with or dislike or, or want to avoid awkward situations if we know the person that we're going to be talking with in that situation or the person that we're going to meet who some aspect of their experience might be new to us or different than we've experienced. And I just want to dive into understanding and getting to know people because that is where we overcome biases and prejudice and personal issues uh, is just by getting to know people. And so I'm just even excited for what you're doing for, I mean, I I think I'm going to grow even a lot from just reading some of your blog posts. um, And I already have grown a lot from reading what you've posted. Like I said, I read every word. I'm learning a lot from you on Instagram. I know. And you stay true to it too, because you know what I'm talking about. So I know you read it. (laughs) Yeah. I think I want to encourage people to reach out to both of us and just reach out to to anyone you maybe are hesitant to reach out to on social media. Just remember, we are everyday OTs, just like you, sitting behind a phone, um, hoping to connect, and we're all doing it for a reason. So don't, don't hesitate to reach out or ask questions. Um, 
I think I can speak for most of us when I say that a lot of us just want to help people. And that's where we started as OTs in general. And that's why we started with whatever our, you know, brand or blog or presence is and don't hesitate to reach out. And also just if you have an idea, plant that idea, feed it, let it grow into a tree and just do it. Don't hold yourself mm-hmm. back. If you need someone to push you, I will gently push you. And on that note, thank you so much for all your words of wisdom and encouragement and sharing your experience uh, with all of us. Thank you for listening to this episode of OT Uncorked. For access to the resources mentioned and to add your voice to the conversation, visit the resource blog at otuncorked.com and leave a comment. If you enjoyed this episode, share OT Uncorked with a friend, leave a review, and hit the subscribe button. Cheers!